Hello and welcome back to episode 3 of Backing Paper, the show where we cram in all the stuff that can't be crammed into our already bulging main 2016 podcast. Uh, it's me, Graham, and with me is the wonderful, the delightful, the by far and away most popular Sunbeam. It's Rach. <laughs> Rach, how you doing? Hey, Graham. I'm good. I'm striving to try and keep this um, this horrible cold that's been going around at bay. Um, it's sort of been hovering around the edges for a little while, but I'm topping myself up with tea and and uh, lem sips as needed. So uh, at the moment, uh, it's it's kind of ha- I'm hanging on in there. Um, no time to be ill. <laughs> no time to be ill. Well, you've you've had a bit of a rough year with illness, haven't you, Rach? So I definitely think you've already more than filled yeah. your quota of poorly time. Um, Let's hope so. But it does sound like everybody around you is dropping like flies. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I'm glad. I'm glad to be uh, to be back. I was listening to obviously a couple of the other um, shows where I'd been I'd been away, and they, they were making me laugh. Uh, where you and Aid were trying to work out where I'd gone to somewhere in Eastern Europe was your best guess. And I was like, well, that's true. You, you were right. But um, it, it did make me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> it's quite a poor show, given that you do always tell us quite clearly where you're going. And then we both instantly forget <laughs> because we're men. <laughs> and that's the way that tends to work. Um, it's fine. It's been long enough now. I know I know what the deal is. It's OK. <laughs> yep, yeah, the deal is we're hopeless. And that's why we have you to unhopelessify the podcast. Um, but it's great to have you back here Rach we missed you last week on both the regular show and uh, on the on backing paper but Eric stepped in um, yes. and manfully uh, upheld very manfully mm-hmm. although I think he did manage to upset I'm pretty sure it was Eric that managed to upset Matthew it definitely wasn't me but I did see Matthew um, <laughs> complaining loudly and if anybody reads the show notes as they are posted on the Sunny 16 podcast um, website you will certainly see uh, him venting his feelings about it because he takes charge of that so he used it as an opportunity to um, share his feelings, which is fine. We we encourage this kind of infighting. An uh, outpost for venting, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, listeners, we have got tons of stuff to get through this week. It's been another great week of uh, communications and wonder. But we want to start off forming on from our mega Kickstarter look back last week on, you're not going to be uh, able to believe this, you probably will, it's another new <laughs> Kickstarter this time from some old friends of Kickstarter and of, well, myself and many other listeners. Uh, it's Ondu, the pinhole camera manufacturers. They are back with the Mark III of pinhole cameras. Um, Rach, you've had a quick mm. look at these guys. What do you think? So, well, uh, Ondu, I, I also have an Ondu. Mine was the uh, 35mm um, Mark II. So I was really excited to see that this is this has come up uh, come up with a Mark III, um, and uh, they look like they are wet, like about twice what they originally had asked for or something already. So amazing, unsurprising really, because they're beautifully made wooden cameras, um, very simple, uh, beautifully built. Um, mine, mine has always given me lots of pleasure. You know, with shooting with it, it's just been really simple to use, and um, everybody who sees it always, uh, always goes, "Wow, oh, that's a lovely looking camera." So, um, yeah, I've I've always very much enjoyed using mine. So, 
the Mark III, it looks like the the big thing uh, with this is the um, the shutter. They've got a slightly different kind of like shutter operation, and they also have some snap-on filters and things as well. So exciting stuff! Um, and the test images so far look gorgeous. The ones on their Kickstarter page uh, I was just looking at. So uh, yeah, all all good. I like I say, I have the thirty-five mil. Um, you, I also have yours, don't I, Graham? Your, <laughs> you um, do. You're doing very well <laughs> at, the moment. at the moment. I know, and I've still not shot with it yet, which is terrible. <laughs> I know yeah. exactly where it is, um, and um, I, I know will shoot with it, but I just have not. Uh, I've not granted yet. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, which which one is yours? Do you want to tell us about yours, Graham? So I have got a Mark II six by twelve multi format, which is the one that you could shoot either six by six, six by seven, or no, six by nine. I'm going to guess nine, it's six by nine. I think, yeah, uh, and yeah. six by twelve. Um, lovely cameras, as you said, Rach. They're beautifully made things um and the one problem with them last time around is that because of the old shutter design you couldn't use filters on them uh without great difficulty um and the new redesign does seem to be working very much to solve that problem so it's got a new shutter which seems a more efficient way of um working and also it clicks uh mm. the 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 points it was it needs to run smoothly check makes shake free exposures possible check short exposures are a must check makes a clicking sound for fidgeting sake double check <laughs> and makes use of filters possible finally um so that's the really big deal um mm. because beyond that i mean you're looking at these just beautifully crafted wooden cameras um mm. they've also um uh, added the ability to use uh, Rise on far more of their series. So on the previous cameras, uh, the large format had pinholes in different locations or at different heights so that you could have the horizon in different places on the film plane. So with a standard pinhole camera, with the pinhole in the middle, the horizon will always be in the middle, assuming that you've got your camera level. The horizon will always be in the middle. So you have the higher and lower pinhole, so you can position the horizon where you want it. And um, they have now extended this feature. You can get that as an option across, I think, pretty much the entire size range from um, 35mm up to the big boys. So um, that's really cool, really cool. Um, mm. Meaningful yeah, upgrades... Really and same beautiful quality. And the nice thing is with Ondo is that this is now their third Kickstarter. Um, yeah. That's not to say that things will necessarily come out exactly when they say they're going to, because that's not how Kickstarter works. And uh, <laughs> that's not how anything, <laughs> as we talked about at length last time, um, I backed, uh, well, we both got our Ondo cameras in the last campaign they did. Mm-hmm. Um, did. And there were delays then, because things mm-hmm. like... Uh, when they had the great big machine, they need to turn up the machine. I think just... they had to move, didn't they? They had to move the actual whole machinery or something. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, I think there were, there were problems with like, literally, oh, we cannot get this machine up the hill to our workshop. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and things like things you just cannot predict happening that can mess things up completely. So, um, but yeah, check that out, listeners. As it's the Ondo Three pinhole camera, search for it on Kickstarter. You will find it. Um, and yeah, as as two previous happy customers of Ondo, uh, I definitely think it's worth a look if you're in the market for a pinhole camera and want something that is as functional as it is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. 
Definitely. And also, just before we go on, I've seen that they, I was just looking at the pictures of, you know, the promo photos and thinking, oh, that's a lovely looking wooden tripod. And then scroll down and see that just in brackets under one of the shots, it says, well, not in brackets, sorry, a camera like this needs a nice tripod, the future undo static, more about the tripod below. So um sounds like there's definitely um, uh, thoughts for a future tripod too, which looks very cool. So uh, mm, interesting stuff. Yeah, it's great to see them doing more stuff. I've, I've been wondering where they were going to go next. And uh, filters do seem like the logical things because mm-hmm. um, a, a, the reality so subtle cameras, um, which are very popular with a lot of people, um, one of the one of the things which really has separated them is how easy it is to use them with filters. So uh, it's great to see them catching up with that. Um, it's it's amazing what a kind of uh, an arms race pinhole photography is becoming these days. It's <laughs> kind of unbelievable, but it's very cool. Okay, shall we move on then, Rach? Yes, let's move on. What what else have we got then? So um, cheap shots. We've got cheap lots shots. to talk about with the cheap cheap shots um, challenge. Um, had lots of emails come in. Um, should we work our way through those, Graham? I think so. Should we start with cheap shots? Yeah. Let's yeah, start let's with do. cheap shots. He says making sure yeah. he actually brings up the pictures he's got in front of us. So, first. so um, <laughs> we'll play hunters. So the first entry this week is from Cohen Kallenberg. Cohen writes in, Hi Sunbeams, hereby my submissions for the cheap shots challenge. After last submission, where I used Lomography's La Sardina, I decided I needed an upgrade as my results were a bit too... Well, Lomo? So <laughs> I splurged eight euros on a Nikon TW20 AF compact camera. To make up for this spending, I used some expired HP5 I found in a drawer. For this challenge, which I developed in Rodenorm, sorry, that was very badly read, unfortunately, film is not enough this time, and I needed to submit some words as well. Luckily, my girlfriend studies philosophy, so I got some practice using long, intelligent words to say something pretty simple. I like photographing. <laughs> God, there's a way of reading that. <laughs> I like photographing so my surroundings. That's how we say that. <laughs> um, fine art is finding beauty in our surroundings and distilling that to such an extent it becomes abstracted enough that we become estranged enough to the image to fail to recognize it as our immediate surroundings. These photographs are taken on my commute to work and to me represent the hidden beauty that is present in cities that is revealed if we only stop and start looking for it. Beauty we are often too willing to ignore to suit our busy lives and minds. Thank you so much for the show and the challenge, which is a great excuse to go out and take photos. Cheers, Cohen. Okay, Rach, so have Mm. you got the pictures in front of you? I have. So, yeah, so these... These are beautiful. Uh, again, monochrome. Um, uh, we have our, our black and white images. So far, I think they've all been black and white. Am I right in saying that, Graham? Are you still there? Yep, I am sorry, Rich. I hit mute by mistake. <laughs> um, yes, I think they are all black and white so far. I mean, oh, as they fine art, does video feel like black and white, but we have got some colour ones coming later, listeners. Ah, excellent. Well, this is what I was going to say. It'll be interesting to see when our first colour one appears, if it, if it does. So uh, that's uh, good spoilers, though. <laughs> um, but no, just looking at, at Cohen's here, um, I mean, it's, it's, again, lovely, um, very high contrast. Um, well, do, you, do you want to describe it, Rach? Shapes. Oh, gosh. You Go see, on. this is always a difficult part. Um, I, I mean, I can't actually tell exactly what it is. Maybe it's some pipe work. Um 
uh, is the one that I'm looking at at the moment. Um, there's uh, or possibly like a sort of metal park bench or something like that. It's it could perhaps perhaps be their sort of macro shot almost of um, some metal work on uh, in a train station or like I say a bench or something like that. Um, and it's very high contrast. We've got um, sort of curving lines, wavy lines uh, coming back the other way. Um, that's about all I can say. Um, I really like it. I think it's a it's a lovely lovely shot. Um, and uh, yeah, ni- nicely nicely done. But I couldn't tell you exactly what the object in question is. Any ideas, Graham? <laughs> no, not at all. It, it is very <laughs> abstract. I mean, it looks kind of yes. If listeners imagine a collection of metal um, pipes, it looks a bit like kind of metal spaghetti swooshed into nice lines and curves and um i mean go to the website all pictures exactly. will be on the website uh, these are fine arts really hard to describe uh apologies to jeremy in particular who is complaining about this later on um but you yeah, go to the website and you'll see the pictures there um but yeah I, I love the contrast on that picture um that that yeah i, I really love that that's uh, really got great use of that of that compact camera the, the subject is really just lent into that very nicely um the other one is a bit easier to describe in yes. some ways, at least. <laughs> so um, the bottom half of the picture is uh, the front of a um, really distinctive modern building. Um, lots of glass and uh, the top half of the building is um, very uh, hmm, geometrically uh, decorated across the whole front um, looks very cool. And then the picture looks like it was taken from underneath a cover which is um a bit switchy sort of like an atrium or something yeah. perhaps yeah um so lots of circles above um and then this very cool repeating pattern on the building in front uh lots of very geometric shapes in this uh and again it uh, looks super cool but again yeah. black and white i think really does work for that one really do, really well do we know which city this is um it just says his commute doesn't he i think yeah, yeah so. he does. I yeah. don't know where Cohen is from, I'm afraid. Not off the top of my yeah. head. Um but I like what you're saying. I mean, he's he's very much, you know, what he said in his artist statement and what he's produced definitely tallies up, you know, um talking about finding beauty in our surroundings and distilling it. So um you can see that clearly these are things that he has seen on his way to and from work and what have you maybe the things that he walks past every day and then the cheap shots challenge came along and he thought actually i'll take that camera along and i'll find you know i'll just look a little bit closer to some of these um uh, these little snapshots um that i see each day and uh, and capture some of those on film so i think that's great it's um it's a nice way of helping us all hopefully to look at our surroundings a little bit deeper in some way yeah and also if you work on the composition, almost anything can be made to look really interesting. Mm-hmm. Almost anything. Um, and that, that's the thing with both these pictures. They are both beautifully composed pictures that really make the most of these structures. So um, great work there. Okay, do you want to read the next one from Matt Jones, Rach? Yeah, so uh, Matt says, Hi, Sunnies. Attached is my single entry for round eight of the Cheap Shots Challenge. Statement below. Um, every human society... Um, differentiates itself from the rest of the animal kingdom by adorning themselves with some covering animal skins, synthetic clothing, or some type of fibre-based material. Um, The Highlands tribes of Papua New Guinea have traditionally used koteka, I think, 
um, or penis gourds made out of wood to cover and perhaps exaggerate their private parts. Ah, I see why you got me to read this one. Thanks, Graham. Um, covered is a shot. Uh, sorry, covered is shot on RC paper with recycled poster box turned into a cardboard pinhole camera. Mm. Sufficient time was required to wait for the Koteca to stop swaying <laughs> and then an, a rather arduous exposure of 15 minutes. Blimey. So that's from Matt Jones in Thailand. Ah, OK, so I actually haven't had a chance to look at this one yet. Um, Graham, do you want to talk us through it? Well, I mean, it's a penis gourd, so I would hope for most people that's conjuring up images immediately. <laughs> um so by the sounds of it, this is a pinhole shot, uh, and mm. it looks very pinhole. Um, it's a panoramic, um, but it's a, yeah. a vertical panorama for this one to get in the full magnificent length of this penis gourd. Um, the penis, I'm going to say penis gourd a lot because you don't get many opportunities to. The penis <laughs> gourd, it's a, it's a black and white image, uh, nice and grainy. The penis gourd is very uh, ornately decorated. Um, it does. It's hard to get a scale on it because it's pinhole, mm -hmm. so it's doing that pinhole thing where everything is in focus it's really hard to get a scale because it compresses everything like that um but it looks you can see a door and doesn't it you can see a door and like a flight of stairs in the background yeah. but what i assume is the background uh, unless it's in doll's house mm. so <laughs> um, the penis yeah, very, very... is either massive or very close to the camera um <laughs> in in true father ted style um mm -hmm. but it looks very cool uh the fact he's managed to stop his penis gourd from swaying long enough to capture it in a, in a pinhole is fantastic. I love the texture on this shot. I really do. There's the, the whole picture almost has like a wood feel to it. Um, it does, like, actually, yeah. It's like almost like a double exposure, mm. you know, with the sort of like grain texture, sort of um, half exposure underneath. Um, so, yeah, definitely. And um, we, we know it's from Papua New Guinea because it actually has it written on it mm -hmm. <laughs> as well. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. As penis gourds go. Authenticity. That looks like a good one. Um, <laughs> I don't know, long and thin. I mean, I, I don't know what, what the style is. Let's move I've on. I've not from the seen penis that gourd. many of them. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> That's yeah. not Thanks. what I've heard, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you for the, um, the opportunity to make me blush, uh, Matt. <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> 15 minutes uh, exposure as well. Blimey, Charlie. I know. Okay, yeah. the next one is not a penis gourd, he says, making the most of that last, last chance to get that in. It's from Martin Skyland. Well, a fine art photograph. Here's Martin's uh, piece on that. What is it, I thought? So I googled it, looked at images, and all I could see was over-edited epicness, which bothered me slightly, as my Agfa Select <laughs> and Epic should not really share the same sentence. Then, listening to your podcast a couple of weeks later, someone mentioned it should be more about it should be about more than the picture. So I went and took this image and tried to make it look as epic as I could muster using HP5 and an Agfa Select. And this is where the BS slots in. It shows a large rock which climbers use for practice, and the idea of scaling a rock face like that seems impossible to me. And yet. I am making my own journey or ascent after losing everything only five years ago. After a stroke left me unable to walk or talk, but now I'm making good progress, clinging on and moving upwards. BS <laughs> over. I think that's pretty good BS, I'll be honest. I know, I was going to say, I don't think that counts as, uh, as BS, Martin. <laughs> no. Um, 
well, for one thing, the picture is lovely. Uh, that Agfus Leck in Martin's hand continues to do great work. Um, it is... I was going to say, for another thing, you know, when you talk about BS, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's there's Graham on the show. Sorry, Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't, <laughs> so don't steal my blooming BS. <laughs> um, um, I'm just trying to find Matt. Sorry, I can't actually see it at the moment. So um, is he labelled with his name? Uh, it's just image 5855. Currently okay, right. that's um, why I couldn't find it. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, I'll, um, I'll bring that up. Now. Yeah, so it is it's a oh. rocky escarpment. Um, a lovely black and white really lovely tonal range uh, mm. and um yeah just a really nice it's a simple picture um but i love the symbolism and, and what it means to martin and his you know his story the fact that you know he's gone from the stroke reducing him to so little when it happened and that he has built back up since i mean i've been really enjoying listening to martin's dark room uh little bits at the end of the main show the last few weeks and i want to say a huge thank you to martin actually i don't know whether you remember rach on the last mm -hmm. cheap shots challenge mm -hmm. martin entered a really nice picture of a tree this mm -hmm. all sort of gnarled tree and i happened to say at the time oh i, I really like this i'd love to see a darkroom print of it now um, as we know martin's got his own little darkroom now, he does and, yeah and martin has sent me um oh, he fantastic a copy and he said he needed to do some practice work to testing it so actually i'll read it to you he said you mentioned it's a proper letter and everything you mentioned on the podcast that you would like to see a darkroom print of this as i needed some sample negatives to learn how to print i thought i would give it a go now that the darkroom is up and running so this is the first and maybe last of my cheap shots challenge silver gelatin prints i hope you <laughs> like it um oh that's amazing and it's lovely and i was right i do really like it as a darkroom print uh although again i am sickened by the fact that martin's only just getting into darkroom printing <laughs> a really amazing job. stuff yeah <laughs> yeah the tonality in the print is just lovely so uh martin thank you so much for sending that to me um it really means a lot. I've been, I've been lucky enough that a few people have sent me prints over the last year or so. Um, and every time I get one, it is, I, I love them and it's really meaningful to me because I know that the time and the work that goes into it. Um, so thank you very much to Martin and uh, to everybody who has sent stuff in in the past. Um, which is and, and yeah abso absolutely um i i also recently had a um a dark room print sent to myself um which i don't think we had chance to uh, i don't think i had chance to to tell you actually graham um and that was from um john whitmore who um uh runs the um whitmore gallery mm -hmm. and um i i commented on, I think on Instagram, I'd seen a shot that he'd done, uh, which was of uh, Crackley Woods, um, somewhere sort of in the Midlands way, and uh, and just said, oh wow, I can't believe this is um, Crackley Woods because it was actually one of the last places I got to go with my mum, and uh, we just had a, a really lovely day there together um, with uh, with my dad and like um, some close family uh, friends, and uh, it was just such a special place to be to go and see the bluebells because the, they have the most amazing carpet of bluebells um in the in the spring or in the summer or what have you and um and it was just a lovely place to go so when i saw on instagram obviously this is a, a black and white monochrome photo um of like the tree canopy rather than the bluebells but it was just with it being that place i just said oh that's amazing because it's just uh, brought back those those memories uh, for me um that was that was really lovely and um and he sent it over as a as a print for me which is amazing so thank you very much for that John. that was uh, fabulous 
it really does mean a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And especially when it's somewhere that has such meaning to you, Rach. That's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, and yeah, just just before we go, I want to say how much I also like Martin Scarlin's um, image of the of the rock. It's, it's really lovely. It's got quite a peaceful feel to it, I think. Mm. Um, so yeah, very, very nice. <laughs> Do you want to read the next one from Sherry Christensen, Rach? Yes. So uh, Sherry says, hey, Sonnies, I'm finally caught up on the podcast. Only took six weeks to listen to them all. (laughs) My God. Oh, Sherry. (laughs) Hang on. So So she doesn't mean, surely she doesn't mean all, all of them, because that would be, that would be just on constant, wouldn't it? That would be crazy. She says, anyway, it was perfect. Oh, thanks. Um, Kept me entertained through some very long work hours. Anyway, thought I would join in now that I'm up to date. My camera of choice is the Pentax MV with 50mm lens that I paid a huge price of $5 for. I later found the Pentax Flash for another $5, total of $10 film. I can get three rolls of Kodak Gold 200 for $12.88, so that's $4.30 a roll. So I spent $15 in total. But that is Canadian dollars. Ah, putting me in the challenge for under nine quid. Mm, nice <laughs> just, work. Too long, I think. Good work. Good work. Good from the quid bomb. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what's, And Sherry has the uh, fine distinction of mm-hmm. bringing the first colour picture. The first colour. Excellent. Okay, right. Let's find Sherry's. Uh, I can see. I could. I was like, look for some colour, Rach. Let's find the. Oh wow. Okay, this is beautiful. Um, so this is a shot, a still life. <clears throat> excuse me, of three cherries. Cherries, cherries. And cherries, cherries. Yeah. Oh, do you know, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, and they they look beautiful and glossy and um, lovely and um, uh, very red next to this beautiful deep sort of yellow uh, background. So mm. it's fantastic in terms of its color uh, contrast. It really it really works. That it's lovely. Yeah, and it's just the simplicity of the picture mm-hmm. because it is, mm-hmm. as you said, it's just these three cherries uh, on yep. a plain background but a background with texture in the tone um and the foremost cherry is in beautiful focus and the two cherries behind are out of focus the, the focus is perfect the depth of field is just spot on so the, just the bit you want is sharp um yeah it's just it feels like quite like a painting doesn't it yeah it does it's really lovely really love that just a lovely elegant shot and the colors together just work so nicely um yeah, very cool. All for under nine quid. Oh, most under of nine me. quid. Yeah, that picture. <laughs> that, that kind of picture. You go. Yeah, I can absolutely see that massive on a wall somewhere, and you know that for nine quid <laughs> worth of investment. Yeah, uh, yeah fantastic. Um, and the next one, Rach. Yep, the next one's from Fraser. Um, oh, no, do you want to read this? One? No, we've got the no? one from Jerry as well. It's less, it's less noticeably color, but I'm it so is sorry. Color. I'm. I didn't realise she she oh sorry sorry Sherry um so she's um um sent in two oh yes so it is <clears throat> it's because I didn't realise it was colour um it's because it's much more of a sepia isn't it mm. um tonic tonal range uh but this is um a, a, a focus sorry um this is an image of a, I think a photo album or perhaps a photo book I guess is probably more accurate um with a pair of reading glasses on it and again there's a really lovely um shallow depth of field on this and it's been nailed that focus on the edge of the rate the reading glasses um really just sort of 
beautiful um, shots uh, shot there as well. Um, I don't know if this is her own photo book or one that she enjoys or reads or um, loves to share. Is it one that you recognise, Graham? No, no, it's not. But yeah, I'd love to know what it means to Sherry. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a, a beautiful, elegant picture again, and um, yeah, just very nicely done. I, I really. Uh, as with many, well, most of these pictures, I, I love the simplicity of the construction of these pictures. Mm. Um, that's something that is always appealing to me. Um, the the photo in the photo book that is in the centre of this of this image that Sherry's taken is um, of I think two children walking up a, a hill. So mm. we're seeing them from um, from behind as they're walking away from the camera through a kind of um, woodland glade, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really lovely shot too. So uh, yeah, lovely. Very nice. So thank you very much for sending those in, Sherry. And thank you very much for breaking the colour balls on this <laughs> uh, and allowing some life through, which has been continued by the next person. Because when it starts, it doesn't stop. Um, so um, the final entry this week uh, on Cheap Shots Challenge is from, as you mentioned, Rachel Fraser Yule. Fraser writes in, Good morning, Sunbeams. I hope this email finds you all fit and well with power restored where it needs to be. Step away from the shovel, Graham. Look, it wasn't my <laughs> fault. Uh, it may have partially been my fault. but um, Firstly, a disclaimer. This entry is mainly by my daughter, Iona, who was given her camera by her granddad. It's a Canon EOS 500N and now sports a 35 to 70 millimeter zoom, which due to an ordering cock-up by the fine <laughs> folks at West Yorkshire Camera, I ordered Olympus and was surprised by the Canon through the door. <laughs> was totally free. Thanks, Howard. Oh, so That's the, pretty good customer service. <laughs> that's very good customer service. Shout out to West Yorkshire Camera and Howard. Um, so the only cost for this outfit was a roll of film at a whole £1.27. It's a Fuji Superior 212 shot roll. Perfect for Cheap Shots Challenge. Iona is only 10 and as she is learning, I did provide some help with setup, etc. She also helped with the home development of the film too. So in the spirit of things, I guess it's a joint entry between Mm -hmm. us. And as a result, I felt it better not to also put a separate entry in. Let's call this one a daughter helped by dad submission for the competition. The concept was actually down to her. So without further ado, on to the almost but not quite 200 words of explanatory bollocks. God, (laughs) God, Johnny Sissons has a lot to answer for. I mean, yes, both for this and in general. Um, And please bear in mind, I've had to translate this from the mind of a sugar-fueled 10-year-old with separation anxiety from her tablet thingy. (laughs) Look, we just need to write this. I'm just picturing this. Look, can you just put that down? We just need to do this. It'll take 10 minutes. Let's just, um, yeah. Oh, how can I get this over as quickly as possible? Okay, so let's see how that's panned out. As Iona has recently been looking at various races, religions and beliefs at school, she wanted to portray this with her images for the Fine Art Cheap Shots Challenge. The concept of both of the photos in this entry is about peace and harmony between all walks of life. Our community is made up of a huge diversity of people of all creeds and colours who by and large combine to make it a better place. Photo 1 is called Circle of Life, in which the various cups of tea, or I'm already on board, represent Mm -hmm. the differences between us all and that we are a harmonious mixed community. The flower in the middle represents us all coming together in peace. 
Photo 2, entitled A Pot of Peace, brings in the representation of a larger world in general coming together with the flower being poured from the teapot, providing peace over all of our communities and indeed the world. I hope this is okay as an entry. Please let's make the next one more straightforward. Um, no, <laughs> uh, we won't. We'll make it more complicated. Um, I love the idea, the, the, the carefully thought out concept behind both of these images. Because um, that's been the two things that we've kind of seen, isn't it? We've seen people who have managed to create beautiful images from their surroundings, um, like the pictures from um, Cohen and from Martin and from Matt. Um, and then we've also seen these carefully thought out put together pictures uh, like the ones here from um, Iona and Fraser two very different approaches to it so these um, shots as um, as uh, Fraser's mentioned uh, that Iona's taken um, first one that I'm looking at shows five cups of tea as you say Graham I'm already on board as well uh, the minute I saw on social media Fraser put up a, a photo of um, Iona in the middle of setting up this shot I thought ah, I can see some cups of tea there this is a good idea and then realised that they were all going to be different colours um, of tea so I don't know if you have seen those mugs that have the colour grey uh, version on them as well uh, where you can tell whether it's builder's tea or <laughs> or what have you but it gives you various different kinds of tea um, so she's actually made five different cups um, with five different tone uh, tones of, of tea and in the middle is a, is a lovely flower. And I realise that you are having some trouble, aren't you, uh, actually seeing the images large. So I, I was going to ask you if you know what flower that is. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, uh, let, me, let me have a look and see. You won't uh, be able to tell. I um, mean, it looks like it might be a petunia. It might, oh, might be a petunia, a petunia, but it's very small. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to see if I can bring up the original email. Don't Maybe. worry. If you can't, it's fine. Well, look, it, you know, it, I, anyway, feel like, so I feel like my, um, <laughs> my uh, very... Um, What's the name of the thing is at stake here? So let me take a minute. Uh, it is. It's a lonely little petunia uh, near a teapot by the looks of it. But that. it's not lonely anymore because it's in the middle of all the tea, you see, and it's part of the community and uh, and all of the different varieties um, of people who make up our community, you see. So it's not lonely anymore. It's um, it's part of it, I would say, which is yeah. great. And then the, the second one she mentioned had a teapot in it. Um, one sec, it's not letting me take. Oh, it is. There we go. And that has a daffodil. I can tell that one's a daffodil, isn't it? At no, the end, is that right? no, Rach, it's absolutely Damn. not a daffodil. <laughs> it's yellow. It's <laughs> also October, it's not, it's Rachel. Not yeah, uh, no, it is yellow, but it's definitely not a daffodil because it's got no trumpet in the middle. I've just realised that. Yeah. Um, so, is and it a also, yellow poppy? Yeah, it is a yellow poppy. It's a Welsh yeah. poppy. Ah, Welsh poppy. Okay, fantastic. Sorry, it was it was a very quick look. <laughs> I did go. It's yellow flower, um, but yeah, no, it, it, you can tell it is a it is a yellow poppy, and actually that's obviously very seasonal, isn't it? Yes. Um, so uh, we have a teapot, a very cute teapot actually, with um, a red lid and polka dot. It's my kind of teapot, that definitely. Um, pouring flowers out. Uh, over over the the cups of tea and there's a lovely strong uh, one directional light coming in from one side which is light which is illuminating the scene um and adding uh, some extra um shadows and interest to the shot as well which is really nice so uh, yeah big fan of that and and i'm a big fan of the um the concept behind it so uh, yeah well done with that Iona. and and fraser as well i suppose <laughs> yeah but mostly Iona though yeah cool. 
So more great entries this week. Keep them coming in, listeners, because as this goes out on Monday, you have until Saturday. So if you have been prevaricating, putting off, or in any other way not getting around to it, this is your last week to get them in. Uh, This is also the last week to get signed up for Emulsive Secret Santa. So you need to be busy, busy, busy bees, Um, as do I. I have not yet signed up for Secret Santa. (laughs) Don't even forget where you're at. So yeah, you've got until Saturday, uh, end of play Saturday. Saturday, whatever time that is in your uh, neck of the woods, to get your entries in. Um, we've had some lovely stuff in for this round. I'm really impressed by the work people have done, and I want to see some more up there. So get on there, folks. Okay, should we move on to the rest of the emails, Rach? Sounds good. Yes. So okay. uh, first one uh, of the emails is from Simon Forster and uh, of the Classic Lenses podcast. He says, hello, Sunbeams. As I now own a Harold. Um, do you want to explain what Harold is, actually, Graham? Uh, well, I mean, Harold is Simon's own version of Ronald, I think. Okay. Um, he's, he's appropriating my Ronaldness. I'll, but uh, Karen, Simon gives quite a good description of, uh, of his new Harold. Of Harold. Uh, so, as, it, as I now own a Harold, it seems appropriate that I should give it a go. However, as most people know, Harold is a half plate camera, probably by Thornton Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> um, and that means that film choices are extremely limited. For those people who were just like myself two weeks ago that do not know the size of half plate, the film for it measures six by uh, six point five inches by four point seven five inches. Other than waiting for Ilford's ULF, which is the is it unusual or unique or limited ultra ultra large <laughs> ultra. format. I think I, sh- I think we should go for unusual large format. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than waiting for Ilford's ultra large format extravaganza next year and not wanting to use the micro four thirds of large format, four by five, it's uh, it seems my logical step is to buy seven by five film and cut it down. This, of course, sounds easier than it is. My plan is to buy a small guillotine with some kind of system that allows me to work in a large dark bag or a blacked out room. Any tips on cutting and loading sheet film will be greatly appreciated. Yours in lenses from Simon. Oof. Wow. I think he's just decided to, I don't know, give himself a challenge. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think not being a snob about lenses and camera film sizes is enough of a challenge for Simon. So <laughs> taking this on, calling 4x5 the micro four-thirds of large format. Uh, this is, just to make sure everybody knows, this is Simon Forster of the Classic Lenses podcast. So if you need to send hate mail, uh, wing it in their direction. They're always happy to get it. Um, yeah, I mean, you've you've have you got a um, half plate camera, Rich? Because you've got an old one not kicking around. I do. I have plate? Albert. No, Albert. Albert's my my wet plate um, large format um, camera. But actually, it doesn't take half plate. Um, it takes a slightly unusual um, size. Um, so I have to um, hand cut the glass for it mm-hmm. um, because you can't get it just as half plate, unfortunately. Um, the other camera that when I did my wet plate workshop um that that we used that was a half plate um camera but uh, but no unfortunately albert is not um so again not quite as simple <laughs> uh, i have to have to do it myself mm. um but um i mean the problem i guess with cutting down film is that your your notches are not going to be there you know mm-hmm. uh, etc so <clears throat> that would in itself make it a little bit more 
complicated and complex. <laughs> and, and also, every time you're handling it, you're getting smudges yeah. and smears over the film. I mean, if you can, I've not tried this myself, and I'm sure there are listeners out there who have insight on this, so please do get in touch, listeners. Um, if you can find a way to easily use 4 by 5 film, bearing in mind that this is Simon's first foray into large format at all, maybe, Simon, get off your high horse and shoot the micro four-thirds of large format 4 by 5 which will be cheaper far easier to handle and you can find out if this is for you at all first before going down the entire <laughs> palaver of buying more expensive film and trying to find a way of cutting it down um that would be my suggestion uh, it's mostly because i don't want to think of you cutting your fingers off in the dark yeah. with the guillotine oh my god, oh my god. Um, yeah and and also you know the the room for error is large and the <laughs> um and the expense is not small <laughs> is also large as well isn't it the expense of uh, trying to buy yeah much bigger sheets and then cut them down for each one that you get wrong it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely and then you have to think about all the steps after that okay well how are you going to get this film processed everything yes. with large format is more expensive um and it definitely seems sensible to work with it in the most economical way you can at least whilst you're finding out if this is a thing that you want to do going forwards because it's not not for everybody um not everybody i mean to spend. Yeah, exactly. I think he'd he'd have to trade develop, wouldn't he? You know, um, to to do that. In which case, it wouldn't really matter what size. But um, but yeah, that's another thing. Whether he wants to do trade development or not, or whether he already has a you know a, a mod fifty four or whatever. Um, I, I don't he think he does. You know what? So probably the best thing is just take the lens off and and shove it on the front of your stupid Sony camera and move on with your life. <laughs> and that's probably the best plan. Um, we oh, love Simon. you, Simon. We love you really, even when we do get your. I'm, ple- I'm pleased that he's he's actually you know getting into doing this. This is this is good. Um, but yeah, don't go cutting your fingers off. That would be bad. <laughs> could you also, Rach, six by? Uh, no, I was going to say it's six by five inches, isn't it? So that's no. I was no. going to say, could you cut um, roll film into bits to try it out with? But uh, <laughs> no, that would be. Not... I think he's going to be better to use four by five. I mean, he could, he could do that. Maybe he could make a mask so it could sit in the middle. You know. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Make a mask so that your four by five will sit in the middle of uh, ish of of that plate. So although it won't fill it, you know, properly. Perhaps that's a way to to have a go, um, or or yeah, use a use a just four by five. <laughs> yeah, or, or the other thing, Simon, is um, try it with paper first. Try and yes. uh, buy yes, some paper and, and do paper mm-hmm. negatives because at least that would be cheaper and it's cool. a bit easier to work with the cutting than it is with film. So maybe give that a try. It makes for longer exposure times, but uh, good practice anyway. That is absolutely the best idea. Yes, well done, Graham. That's that's the uh, that's the solution. Try that. I had a, I had a good idea. Um, and, I, can't, and I, was, I can't believe I didn't think of that. That's amazing. Yeah. And as the listeners, uh, any listeners out there who have got experience in this field already, do write in and let us know, and we will um, share that information. Um, quick bit here. Aaron Alfano got in touch with us to let us know that rock star Jack White launches his own photo lab and studio. Rach, you looked into this. What's the skinny on this? Yeah, just had a quick look. Um, so uh, Jack White from the from the White Stripes, um, a musician. He um, has been on, I think he's on the, his his own record label, music label called Third Man Records. Um, apparently they have um, some locations in Nashville and Detroit. Uh, and the one in Detroit, I believe, um, according to Petapixel, uh, has its own vinyl pressing plant. So it sounds like they've branched out now also into film. 
an analog film um and uh, they have one which is now the third man studio sorry third man photo studio.com uh forward slash film dash lab so you guys um go and have a little look at that and uh, you'll see what they've got happening there it says um the third man photo studio specializes in high quality photographic film development and analog print uh, processing so they the chemists um there hand process c41 black and white and e6 and they also um talk about creating uh one-of-a-kind archival prints from your film negatives um using uh, which sorry which can also be made from digital negatives um sorry from your digital images into digital negatives so that you can then print from those uh, and make fine art prints apparently from that of your digital images so that's pretty cool too yeah. so there we go they've uh, they've branched out from vinyl records into other things analog by the sounds of things yeah all good a uh, quick follow-up on last week's show from Ian Fleming, who writes in, Dear Sunbeams, enjoyed the Kickstarter show with Hamish. I've backed a few. Uh, it got me back into large format because of the SP445 tank. Um, oh, that's the Stearman Press one, isn't yes, it? Yes, um, making it easy to develop at home. It's all about communication and realising that there's risk for both parties, the backer and the entrepreneur. You're not really buying something, more trying to make it happen. This is very true. Mm -hmm. uh, keep up the good work. Finished up my last but one roll of Kodak Elite Chrome and just waiting for my fresh Ektachrome now. Mm, exciting. Yeah. Have you had any come through, uh, Graham? Um, or do you have any on order? Or are you are you like me and kind of waiting waiting to see, um, you know, when uh, maybe, maybe Santa will bring a roll for you? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't. Um, I, at some point, I would love to try it, but I'm not a big slide film shooter because um, I can't home develop it, and uh, and it's not cheap film. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not saying it's not worth it, absolutely, but would it be worth it for the garbage pictures I'm going to take with it? No, it definitely would not. I mean, arguably, Poundland film is not worth it for the garbage pictures I take with it. So, um, would you yeah. cross process? Because you do C41, don't you? Yeah, I could. And what a terrible waste of film that, that would be. So, um, I've still got a few rolls of um, old slide film kicking around, which I will get through first. Um, but no, that'll be a thing for the future. But the good news is that it's back now and hopefully it will stick around as well. Um, I'll read the last one to finish up because we've had an email from Jeremy. So buckle up, everybody, for the roller coaster emotions. It is an email from our good friend. <laughs> I, I think he's our good friend. It's always hard to tell Jeremy. Our good friend, Jeremy North. Jeremy writes in, hey, guys, I quite enjoyed backing paper number one. Well, a riotous start. You wondered about the name, but you have to stick to it now. Like naming your kids, isn't it? Anyway, your latest offshing should be okay with that handle. In some ways, it was like getting back to the old days with just two of you having a chat. Well done for the intro music. The clapped out computer game style suits you perfectly. <laughs> Love it. That, oh, thanks, Jerry. Is that, is that a compliment? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he... Oh, that's such a good way of putting it, actually, because, uh, yeah, a compliment. Yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe that's what we're built on. As for the content, it's a bit hard to judge based on this episode. For me, analysing photos in audio film doesn't work, especially when Rachel gets all Freudian about it. We looked up exactly what this meant, and we seem, Freudian seems to be mostly talking about sex, and Rachel, you weren't doing that. Although I don't think I was talking about anything particularly uh, sexual, but yeah. It's what, what Jeremy's reading into it, clearly. Um, Maybe. Well, then, this week, you see, with the uh, penis <laughs> discussion of that, yeah, I mean, that that's great, that's... 
yeah, he's uh, he's predicted the future there with this, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> it's on the rise. As it is oh something that each person interprets for themselves. What's the point of that? Um, it's because this is the only way we have of communicating about these pictures, Jeremy. This is an audio podcast. It is a podcast. <laughs> so, it's kind of difficult to do it in any other way. Yeah, so stop whinging. I bet that most pictures ever taken have elements which the photographers never saw. When it set out, the Cheap Shots Challenge was not about that, may I remind you. For fun, not pretentious. Listen, Jeremy, this is the fine art round. It is all about pretentious. The more pretentious and stupid, the better. Um, but still being very good fun at the same time. Um, it carries on uh, to say, I did enjoy some of the artist statements, especially the friend from Czechland who said it as it is, to the arc of all emotional topography. The latter was, of course, utterly ironic and all the more splendid for being so. The one which was disturbing was by the homemade camera dude. I'd like to think it was tongue-in-cheek, but it was very much tongue-in-cheek. We were talking about hitting cameras with hammers. I mean, it's pretty tough. Although we still hit that camera with a hammer, it was terrible. Speaking of BS, episode 122. And he is a delight. This is a friend of the show. I just need to keep reminding myself of this. Speaking of BS, episode 122. The conversation with James was going okay until he started talking about the fairies. What is charming about Blarney? Nothing. It is BS dressed in green. Flaneur. Other than that, it was a fun chat. Love, Jeremy. Ah, Jeremy. We always love to hear from you for the uh, roller coaster emotions and ups and downs that is your emails. Um, now, I wanted to get to something that Jeremy brought up in that because we have been using the uh, the chiptune styles of, uh, what's it called? BitQuest from Kevin McLeod in Competech.com for the last few episodes. But we did say last week that I would love some submissions for listeners from for music to get us on the show. And we've actually had some, Rach, haven't we? Yeah, we've had um, a few emails, actually. Uh, this first one from Ronnie Brandon, who says, Hey, Sonnies, please find attached my submission for the backing paper theme music. Well, you did ask. I'm sure it will be of no use whatsoever, but I still love you anyway. <laughs> from Ronnie. Um, oh, by the way, with Polaroid, Polaroid Week upon us, I thought I'd finally get myself on the interwebs. I'm on Flickr as Ronnie Brandon, or maybe as the futurist on film. I'm not sure how it works yet. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so um, he's also given us the uh, Flickr uh, URL as well. So perhaps go and go on Flickr and have a little look, search for Ronnie Brandon or the Futurist on film, and hopefully one of those will come up with his work. So um, glad to hear that you've been out and about shooting for Polaroid Week um, as well, Ronnie. That's great news. And uh, thank you very much for the submission for the backing paper theme music. Yep, which we will stick in right here for your listening pleasure. Listening pleasure, listeners. Oh, that's a sentence.
And we've also had a submission from last week's co-host, Eric. Eric writes in, I rebuilt an oldish thing I did for a mix and made a theme song for backing paper. You don't have to use it. There's a recurring theme here. It's built from Impeach the President by the Honey Drippers. A weird Information Society remix, several Polaroid sounds, the stuff of a very thrush, which is sound. a bird. The sound of a very... Oh, yeah. yeah. Um and some strange static and some other random stuff. Um, we're, we're getting some good weird stuff in this week, Rach. So mm -hmm. we will switch Eric's one on right here. And last but definitely not least, I got hit up on Twitter by Duncan from uh, Silverpan Film Labs, the UK-based film lab, who sent me a link to one of the tracks from his band, Schnauzer. Uh, the track is called Remortgaging the Nest of Hairs, um, uh, but a great little tune, which I will play you the beginning bit of here, because it's quite long, so we're not going to play the whole thing. Um, enjoy! Think of these three possible theme tunes, listeners. Um, very different, but all very cool, uh, even if in some cases it is in slightly weird way. Uh, maybe this is just the um, persona that we uh, that we give out, perhaps, Graham, with backing paper. Maybe this is just what people think when they when they listen to us. This is <laughs> that we're weirdly, weirdly cool too, perhaps, yeah. well, <laughs> in a minor key. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, this is the way that people are interpreting us audioably. Yeah, that's... Well, that's an interesting mirror to look into, isn't it? <laughs> um, is one of these the, the future theme tune for the show? I don't know. But I, I would love to get some more um, entry sent in. So, and like yes. I said, they don't have to be weird avant-garde lounge music. They can be anything, as you can tell by what we've had in already. But thank you so much um, for those three entries, uh, th three entries, three submissions. Um, it's really appreciated. I love that people have taken the time to send that stuff in. Uh, yeah, I much appreciated. Love mm -hmm. to hear some more. Anything weird, wonderful, or normal and wonderful. As long as it's wonderful, we will have it. Um, <laughs> and I can't wait to hear Jeremy's opinions on <laughs> this week's submissions because you know he's going to have some. Um, before we get out of here, we have got one last email, which is very timely. It came in just before we started recording the show. And it's from Robert at London Camera Project. Run London Camera Project. Oh boy, Rach, take it away. <laughs> You've had some trouble this week, eh, Graham? Yeah. Um, so Robert says, "Dear Sunbeams, with the imminent arrival of our annual celebration of the grisly fate of Guy Fawkes, I have a challenge for you. I shoot mainly film, and when it comes to shooting at night, I'm fairly confident taking long exposures with a tripod, etc., or blasting the subject with a full strength flash, or pushing film, or pushing whatever film I have. Anything but shallow on expensive film." <laughs> With all that said, I have no idea how to shoot firework displays, 
with your combined knowledge um, and experience, um, can you please suggest some settings for me? I'll be shooting with an OM10 basic, but with the manual adapter, I can choose one to one thousandth um, or a Minolta Dynax Alpha 5 manual uh, shutter speed down to 30, uh, 30 seconds, um, but F3.5 lens with most likely a role of Colour Plus or Poundlands finder, Finest. I'm looking forward to your suggestions. Thanks in advance. That's Robert at the London Camera Project. Graham, do you want to take this one? Well, it's not something I've tried myself, but my understanding uh, is that the way you kind of want to approach it is rather than trying to capture single fireworks is to have your shutter open for a long enough duration to capture multiple fireworks going up. Because obviously they are quite a good strong source of light in an otherwise totally black background. Um, it's very similar to the way you're going to approach trying to capture lightning on shots. So um, I think you're going to want to go with a camera that can go down to 30 seconds. I don't think one second exposure is going to be long enough um, unless you can get uh, a bulb on there, which I think you can. You can get a plunger on your mm. one OM10, can't you, Rach? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that that would be another way of going is getting some. You know, I mean, if you you're going to need a tripod, obs, you're going to need a tripod. Um, but yeah, I, I think you don't need to have it wide open. In fact, you don't really want it to be wide open because you want to have a decent length of exposure, and there can be quite a lot of ambient light around, especially if the fireworks are anywhere near the bonfire. Um, so you, you don't want to have it open wide open at um, f3.5. You probably want to close that down a bit so you can get a decent length of shutter speed. Um, but yeah, that's about my thoughts on it. Rach, what, mm. you got any experience with this? Um, only that people have set, have told, I've never, again, I've not shot uh, fireworks on film myself either, um, but just that people have said open the shutter before, just before it's going to go off. So pretty much what you were saying, to have it as a, um, a long enough exposure that um, it's letting in light for the duration of a few fireworks rather than just for a single flash. Yeah, yeah. And obviously... You're going to want a fairly wide-angle lens as well, um, because yeah. they go up very high. <laughs> and, um, so, and you're not going to be able to focus on it beforehand <laughs> either. So <laughs> no, although I mean, with most of them, they're going to be at infinity, oh, aren't infinity. they? Infinity. <laughs> well, if... we hope. <laughs> Otherwise, you're setting fire to your pants. <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, listeners, especially eagerly listeners, anybody who's listening to this early doors on Monday and has got some hot tips, then let us know, and maybe we can get them in on the podcast. <laughs> We're going to record tomorrow night. Um, uh, that would be great. But yeah, I think that's that's really the main thing. You want to have a good long shutter so you can get multiple fireworks going off within the same frame. Um, and because they're quite bright, it's a bit like taking a picture of the moon. You have to kind of expose for them rather than for the darkness. So um, yeah, mm. but I'm, I'm sure there. Are, yeah. yeah, it would. Um, I'm sure there are listeners who have, again, been out and done this. So let us know your top tips on that. That would be fantastic. Uh, that's going to do us for this week, isn't it, Rach? I think so. It's been really nice to chat with you again, Graham. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed doing our, our other um, shorter version, bite-sized version. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> what we run one's... into at the moment. Uh, I mean, it's Don't hard ask. to tell. Multiple disconnects later. But yeah, we're yeah. creeping up towards an hour again. Oh, my goodness. Uh, listen, listeners. This is your fault for being far too interesting with your communications and being far too good. Um, it's not us. We we just have to deal with what we're sent and it's all too good to ignore. Um, but we will be back later in the week with your regularly, regularly, 
regularly oh scheduled. I know. I've not even been drinking. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Maybe that is the problem, yes. With your regularly scheduled Sunny 16 podcast. And we will be back, or somebody will be back, next week with another episode of Backing Paper. Yes, and um, if you want to follow along, uh, obviously make sure you go to the website, uh, sunny16podcast.com, and have a look at the images that were the entries for the Cheap Shots Challenge that we've been talking through. Yeah, Yeah, I will make sure they're all up there. Thanks, Rachel. This is is why we have to. Rachel can never leave because she keeps us on the straight and narrow and catches us. (laughs) And I should say that... um, uh, Music for the show, as mentioned earlier, is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Go there to find all sorts of wonderful musical delights. Um, and, yeah, can we, is there anything else you need to remember, Rachel? Can we say goodbye again I, th- I think we're good. We can say goodbye now. Goodbye. Right. Bye.